Welcome back to another episode of For Fintech's Sake with me, your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. My guest this week is Ahmed Siddiqui. Ahmed is the author of The Anatomy of a Swipe, Making Money Move. It's not a Drake song. I know it sounds like it, but it's a book. It's a book about what happens when you swipe your card, be that a debit card, a credit card. It's about what happens between swipe and settlement. Having been in fintech for six or seven years now, I thought I knew a little something about the world of payments. Turns out, based on coming from the retirement industry into banking, my knowledge of actually how the payments infrastructure works goes about 1% deep. Probably not totally shocking to my regular listeners that know I come at this from a place of learning and the whole goal of this is for me to understand something new every day. But there were some gaps in my knowledge that I didn't realize. From acquiring to issuance, networks, program management, on and on, this book digs into all of it. So, after reading The Anatomy of the Swipe, I realized I needed to talk more with Ahmed and that there's a lot more to dig into here. This is our first episode of many. We talk through the Ahmed story, why and how he wrote the book, but there's more to come. We recorded this before the new year, so there's references to hoping that 2021 is better. So much for that so far, but nonetheless, we persevere. And we're doing a series after we set the stage with this introduction that dives deeper into specific pieces of payments that we often talk about as an industry, but might not fully understand. Ahmed is truly a wealth of knowledge and just a wonderful human. I learn a lot from him. I hope you do too. And with that, enjoy my conversation with Ahmed Sadiqi. Ahmed Sadiqi, welcome to For Fintech's Sake, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's been a, a long time coming from, I think our first conversation was sometime like right as the world was taking a little bit of a turn and starting to shut down a little bit. And I kind of shut myself in a room with your book and came out like two, three days later and actually knew a lot more about payments, which I, you know, I was convinced that I knew a little bit of something, but the way that you defined a lot of it really gave me some more. So anyways, man, excited to talk. Good to have you here. How's the day going? No, the day's going good. I'm excited to hear that I was able to help you through the pandemic with my book. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need just like a deep dive of, you know, two to three days of uh, payment details to get yourself through at least a little bit of this insanity we're calling 2020. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, I can't wait until it's over, but you know. Well, at least yeah. until then, we can podcast, my friend. We can That's podcast right. from a distance. Let's start from the beginning, man. I remember first connecting with you and I, you know, I had a lot of questions about the book, but I also just wanted to hear kind of how you got to this place with the book and having the experience that you had to be able to write it. And that was just a fascinating story that you told me the first time we connected about just where you're from all the way through, you know, moving overseas, coming back. And like, you've, you've done this FinTech thing in a really unique way, I think. So I just love to start from the beginning of, of the Ahmed story, you know, who are you, where do you come from and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Zach for that. Uh, so, so from, for me, like I, I am not a payments expert. Um, and I think a lot of the ways that I actually learned about payments and the way that I, I am to where I am is, is actually a lot of accidents. Um, and I, I think for me, one of the things that I know that I'm actually really good at is, you know, taking these kind of leaps of faith, um, and, you know, working really hard to like actually making it work. Um, 
And so if I rewind back, um, so, so right now, um, I currently had a product over at branch, uh, which is, a we're a FinTech that, uh, partners with, um, employers, um, to actually help their employees grow financially and, um, kind of trying to essentially get rid of all the fees that a lot of these employees have to deal with. Um, and then for the employer, um, we want to help them by reducing you know, paper check costs and, you know, helping them get off of like really bad pay cards that, you know, charge all sorts of arduous fees. Um, and just in general, we want to make banking and the financial lives of working Americans better. Right. And so that's, that's where I am today. That's my day job. Um, my <laughs> nights and evenings job is, uh, well, it was in writing the book. I, you know, I published, um, the anatomy of the swipe back in, almost six months ago now. Um, and so it's been pretty interesting experience, like talking with readers and talking with other people in the the payments industry about like, what are, what are some of the things that are going on? It's actually like helped spark a lot of conversations. Um, but again, the, the backstory on this one is, um, you know, uh, the anatomy of the swipe talks about payments and FinTech. Uh, and I only recently got into payments. I would say I'm probably about, I've only got about six years of experience um, there. Um, and the way that I got into it is I completely stumbled uh, into payments. And it was uh, by taking a leap of faith by joining a really good high school friend of mine um, almost six years ago over at Marquetta. Um, and like at the time, I didn't even know what Marketa was. I didn't know what card issuance was or yeah. <laughs> anything about payments. Um, oh, no one really knew who Marketa was at that point, right? Like now it's this kind of established established brand that you say Marketa and you don't really need to paint a picture. But, but I mean, it was, it was a kind of jumping off of a bridge, right? Like you were taking a big chance. Yeah, I've, I've got a very, very convincing high school friend. So let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, he didn't just convince you to come join the company, did he? I mean, he convinced you to come join the company and then he put you on a plane and sent you overseas to build a pretty <laughs> wild thing. I mean, it's not just like, Hey, move to SF and do this. It's like, Hey, move to SF. And then we're going to fly you to the UAE. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the story on this one is that I, um, so my wife and I, we had our first kid when we were in San Francisco and for a while, we were thinking about moving uh, back to the Midwest, where I'm actually from Minnesota. My wife is from Connecticut. And we wanted to get some help from the parents and like, you know, raising the kid and that sort of thing. Like, it's it's tough, like raising a kid in San Francisco. Um, and so what I was doing is I was kind of like looking for opportunities um, to move back to Minnesota. And, you know, even prior to Marquette, I was working in the startup space. So I've... I'd, kind of gotten a really good taste of that. It's, it's hard to get out of the startup lifestyle. Um, and yeah. so for me, I was trying to find that in Minnesota and at the time it was really difficult. And so I was looking, we basically made the decision, you know what, cold Turkey will just move there and figure it out. And so I've got these movers lined up. I've got my car that's going to get shipped, shipped back to Minnesota and all that. Um, and I get this Facebook message from Dave Matter, my uh, friend from high school. 
It's a good and, high school friend to have for the record. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he messages me and he's like, dude, I'm in the Bay area. Um, we should get together. I was like, Oh wow. I didn't realize that. Um, he was in, he was in New York for a while and then he had moved to the Bay area. And I didn't realize that. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to you know meet up with you. So we ended up meeting up in Emeryville, um, over coffee he's uh we're just chatting and uh he's telling me a little bit about marketa at the time i was like i don't really understand this um is it like stripe um that's a good that that's the, a good fintech right? first question is it like yeah. in what way are you like stripe or not like stripe and i will make my employment decision based on that yeah i was like okay you know stripe's cool um yeah. I sort of get what they do. I guess you can accept payments. And then he's like, no, it's, it's actually the other way around. Um, there's this, the whole side of the equation where you need to actually like create the card or create payments. Right. Um, and that's what Marketa does. Um, and so I, I still didn't fully follow it. And then he was talking, he was giving me some use cases of like types of, um, you know, companies that would use Marketa. And um, he said, you know, there's a, a really big opportunity that we're looking to close out in the Middle East in Dubai. I go, really? What's, what's that? And so, uh, you know, he, he walked me through what that was and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I just kind of like randomly said, you know, it's always been on my bucket list to like work in the Middle East um, or work, work in a Muslim country for that matter. Right. Yeah. Um, and he kind of looks at me and he goes, do you want to do this for us? I said, well, Dave, um, my mover is literally coming, um, you know, next week or whatever, uh, to move us back to Minnesota. And he's like, no, 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 no. You can't move to Minnesota. Like, let's figure something out. I was like, okay, fine. So I, <laughs> I ended up uh, leaving that meeting. I drove across the bridge back to San Francisco and I was having dinner with my wife and I was like, well, you know, we've been talking about moving to Minnesota, um, but would you rather have the snow or would you rather have sand? Ooh, that's a good way. That's a good way to tee up a multi-thousand mile move. There you yeah, go. You trap her in. Would you rather have a and beach? Obviously she's like, what? What are you talking about? There's an obvious and, uh, answer for 99% of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so even, you know, I mean, so, so my, my wife's a pharmacist, so she, she was actually taking the exams for Minnesota, uh, cause you have to get certified in every uh, state. Okay. So she already had started that process and I'm like, uh, yeah, what do you think about moving to Dubai? And she's like, what? Uh, I said, well, I don't, you don't really get too many opportunities, um, to work international. And to be able to do it with your family, um, I think is kind of cool. And she's like, yeah, you know, um, in Dubai, the great thing is you can get a lot of help there um, uh, for relatively cheap, actually. Uh, and so he said, you know what, um, let's give it a shot. Uh, you know, uh, I think the assignment would be for about two years is what we kind of talked about. We are like, okay, two years, even within two years, my daughter wouldn't be in school. So, you know, we wouldn't have any issues with, with that. Um, so like, okay, let's, let's do it. So I called up Dave and I was like, Hey Dave, yeah, let's, let's do this. I, I told him, I was like, dude, I, I know nothing about your business. I still have to like figure it, figure it out. Um, but it sounds interesting. And, um, you know, I think it, it would be kind of cool to move to Dubai and build this out. 
Um, so he like, he was at a concert, I think at the time. And then he's like, he's <laughs> calling me from there. He, he, uh, got in touch with, uh, uh, the COO, they busted out, a uh, you know, agreement, employment agreement. And I literally signed it that night and called the movers and told them, Hey, we're not moving to Minnesota anymore. So, um, please don't come. Um, and you know, and even at the time we had to like <laughs> get a new apartment and all that sort of stuff. Luckily, Dave kind of helped me out with that until we actually, you know, were going sent, sent out to Dubai. Um, but, you know, probably I'd say maybe a month, about two months in to me working at Marquetta and in, in the Emeryville office, um, we signed the deal in Dubai and we were off. So that's wild. That was, that was kind of the, the international experience. But then you know, also, you know, again, just trying to learn about the space, um, you know, day one, Dave hands me the, uh, the Glenbrook uh, partners book, uh, the payment systems in the U S uh, which, you know, I mean, I think for just about any person in payments, like it's kind of considered the Bible. So it's trying to like, go through it. I, I, I had the toughest time, Zach, like trying to figure that out, then try to tie it back to what is Marketa and whatever. And it's like, okay, I have to learn this stuff really fast. And so the, the only way that I really learned this stuff is, you know, just by, you know, having these conversations with MasterCard, with Visa, with Discover, with, you know, other people in the company. I mean, you have to keep in mind, uh, Marketa was, I was employee 35 mm. at Marketa. So there weren't too many people um, that really knew this stuff either there. Um, so, so how did, how did you approach, I want to talk a little bit more about your time in Dubai, but that's such a, I think that's such a universal experience of you join payments or you get into this FinTech industry and you just kind of have a sense maybe of what the use cases might be, right? Like there's, there's issuance, there's acquiring, maybe you don't even know what those words mean yet, but you understand the idea of like a card going to someone cause you have a card. But when you're on the phone with MasterCard, you're on the phone with Visa, you know, you're talking to the networks. One thing that I've noticed talking to bankers, talking to networks is like, if you ask a, if you ask a day one question that is, you know, how does this settlement work, right? Or something that the MasterCard exec or the bank exec was is convinced that everybody should know because it's part of their, their knowledge base. How did you approach just asking some of those questions and learning? Like, did you, were you nervous about that? Were you kind of like, oh God, are they going to think I'm an idiot? Like, how did you get in and actually start learning? Because I think it's a, I think it brings fear to a lot of people to start asking those questions. So they just stay quiet sometimes. Well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So with the networks in particular, um, they're so big, right? Um, That actually this knowledge doesn't exist in the heads of like a few people. Mm-hmm. They, they, basically what it is, is it's, it's all distributed knowledge and not one person knows the answer to everything. And mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is that you have to like talk to a bunch of people to like really figure out what's going on. Um, and I, I found that to be one of the most like daunting things of talking to a network is that you won't get a straight answer from anybody right away. Like you, you'll need to go through like five or six different people. And then you have to like, kind of figure it out for yourself. Right. Even though, even though everything is documented, it's not the easiest stuff to understand. I mean, it it assumes you have a very high level of knowledge of how all this stuff works, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's so, 
I feel very lucky to have had the, you know, mentors and folks just willing to sit down with me from my days at SEC regulated companies to being at MBKC that I've just been like, Hey kid, this is what banking is, you know? And I still feel like I have maybe a 10% understanding of yep. all of it. That's why I can sit down with something like, you know, the anatomy of the swipe and learn a lot is because if you understand issuing, you sure as hell probably don't understand acquiring. And if you understand yep. acquiring, you probably don't understand issuing and yada, yada, yada. So it's always just so finding somebody that has a broad understanding with the ability to speak in any sense of depth is just so rare. No, you're absolutely right. And there's, there are just a few people doing that. And I, I will argue one thing, um, Zach is that I think the, the best way really to learn this stuff is actually, you just have to dive in and do it. Right. Yeah. And you, you can't, you, there really aren't like, there's no degree in payments or there's no degree in like FinTech or whatever. And like, even a lot of the, the core documents that come in from the networks and stuff, they're so specific um, that it's hard to like really grasp a lot of that. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get this content out there is so that, you know, entrepreneurs or engineers who may not be from the space can actually like grasp it in kind of more layman terms. Yeah. Um, and then, students, you know, I would think, I mean, are you, are you getting, getting reach outs from Stanford or, you know, schools that are thinking about trying to make their finance education or entrepreneurship education more robust with something like this book? I have, I haven't yet. So if you, uh, if there are any listeners out there that want to right, talk about that, please hint, hint, uh, cough, cough, reach out, <laughs> let me yeah. know. I would love <laughs> to help out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think understanding this can unlock a lot of potential because, I mean, uh, I postulate that just about every tech company is going to become some sort of a fintech company. Mm -hmm. um, and it might not be their main thing, but yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Uber, right? Like, I mean, it's a ride hailing company, but also at the same time, they facilitate payments all over the world. I mean, same with Airbnb, right? Like yeah. they're actually payments in fintech companies. Like um, the, the magic of being able to take an Uber ride is not having to worry about pulling cash out of your your wallet once you're done with the, the ride to pay the driver. Like it's seamless, like payments happen. And I think that's largely, you know, one of the things that's kind of magical about these ride sharing applications, right? Um, yeah. Somebody at Uber and somebody at Lyft had to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And to the, I mean, you know, a more 2020 example, maybe since it's probably been a while since any of us have sat in a, you know, have hailed an Uber, unfortunately, I almost missed sitting in Ubers, but DoorDash, right. The yep. just rolled out a quasi neobank of, you know, I don't know if they're officially calling it that, but for all intents and purposes, it seems like that. Um, that that's just kind of the future, right? If you have this captive customer base that needs some help, especially if they're gig workers, seems like there's a lot of low hanging fruit to provide financial services. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get too far deep into this, I want to go back to that, those kind of early days at Marketa. And can you tell the story of going to Dubai? Because it was just so fascinating. I didn't, wasn't the first customer, like a, you were going to help a mall figure out their payments infrastructure or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, large mall uh, operator, um, they had these gift cards 
Um, and they had a loyalty program, but they didn't work together. Um, and so what, a lot of times what happens is that um, in Dubai, you get people from all over the world that come in to shop at these malls, right? And that's, I mean, it's a thing there. Like it, it, you, you basically can eat there. You can, you know, uh, have fun there. There's like ice skating rinks, there's ski slopes. Like you could do anything in, inside of a mall in Dubai. Um, and so what happens is that a lot of commerce is actually done in cash there because what happens is people will, um, you know, convert their local currency into, um, AED and then spend, spend there. And one of the things that they wanted to figure out was, could we come up with a loyalty program or a, a debit card program that, um, you know, helps us kind of see some of these trends. So essentially what you do is you'd go to the kiosk and you would uh, take your local currency and you would put it onto a, a, a debit card or prepaid card. And then you'd use that throughout the mall. And then when you, when you're done, you basically leave the country. Right. Um, so the idea was how can we get Marketa to power this kind of experience and be able to offer rewards and, you know, calculate points and all that sort of stuff. Right. So we were on path to building all of this stuff. I was, I was there for about six months. Um, and we're, we're building everything out. Everything, you know, is live and running again. This was all like had to figure out how to work with MasterCard in UAE, had to figure out how to work with a, a local bank there. Um, and that took a really long time, right? The product to a really good point where we're like, all right, cool. Like we can, we even were able to get the, a printer to work that would print a card on the fly at the kiosk. So it's like, like you, you literally would have like a stack of blank cards. And then when you went there and you signed up for that card, it would like print your name on it. And you can even do like kind of, um, a custom upgrade. So depending on your tier, like you'd get a silver card or you'd get a gold card. Ooh. Um, and it's all done at the mall kiosk because uh, what's fascinating in Dubai is that a lot of people don't have addresses that are that can be reached via mail. And so they wanted a way to like pick up these cards at the mall and mall is kind of like a distribution, uh, location, you know? Um, and that's a hard problem to solve. So just to recap here, you're getting into payments for the first time, getting into FinTech for the first time, United States regulations and financial experience aside, we send you over to Dubai and then you have to figure out multiple countries, payment systems, and then you have to figure out basically like print on demand within like a 30 second period on a card inside of this one geographic location where the spend is strong enough that it actually merits that. Like just getting a card printed in the U S is like a 18 month experience from first conversation <laughs> with a card printer to that final. I mean, granted like prepaid cards, you know, or, or like quasi gift cards, I guess are a little bit different, but still that's a, that is a lot to unpack my friend. That's a lot to unpack. And I was like, Oh, I guess that's how it's supposed to be. Right. Right. That's like, the best way to go into FinTech is not knowing any better. Not knowing better. I was like, oh, I guess that's how it's supposed to work. All right, fine, I'll figure it out. You know. So again, I'm I'm working with, you know, uh, you know, at the time it was Overther, it's uh, Idemia now, um, to figure out this whole like instant card printing thing, which I thought, I mean, actually to this day, I think it's kind of badass. Um, I, I mean that's that is it. it is badass that from somebody that has you know 
there is a reason these companies function the way they do as far as card printers. And, you know, we have multiple partners at, at the day job and everything else, but it's a, it's not a super seamless experience. And granted, like I said, there's reasons for that, but that is badass. That's not a thing that I've ever heard of existing in the U S so, uh, but, but now, I mean, you keep in mind at the time we didn't have Google pay and Apple pay. Right. Right. And so this was kind of the way to do instant issuance. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you needed a way to find, you needed to find a printer that can actually like print it on the fly. Um, I think the, it would be a very different construct if it was today. Um, cause then you can really talk about, well, you want to work with contactless payments or yeah. QR based payments or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, long story short, I mean, um, you know, these guys that were trying to build something pretty novel and unique. And, you know, we, we, we were building uh, the Marquetta platform kind of in parallel too. Um, and so a lot of the, the integration with MasterCard was brand new, uh, let alone kind of doing it in a different country. Uh, we were working with all sorts of different like KYC providers. We built this beautiful um, iPad app um, that does things like, uh, you can take a picture of your ID regardless of which country it's from. And it'll actually like pull the data off. It'll perform the KYC on it. Um, mm. and, uh, be able to give it to you. So I think if, if for a single load, you don't need to do the KYC, but for multiple times, if you wanted to do a reload or top up card, uh, you need to do the KYC. And it was, it was a slick application. I learned a lot from just like building that. Um, and, you know, we, we got to, was it almost the end of the year? Um, and there were, uh, you know, points in, in this development where we were supposed to get paid. And um, <laughs> every time that I'd go for, for it to get paid, the, the response was always, inshallah. And I'll explain that word to you. So inshallah means... Uh, in the way that you use it is it's always a good thing that you say, um, in Arabic, it's like, um, you will get a, a really great new job inshallah or, or something like that. Right. That yeah. that's just something that you say, but the actual literal definition of that word is God willing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wait a second, God willing, I will get paid. I don't have time for God willing. I am a freaking startup. Like, we, we, we can't wait that long. And so that was one of the, the major like learnings um, I think I had is that, you know, things just operate very differently in other parts of the world where it's like, you know, in the US, it's like, all right, you've got your payment terms, people pay it. But in other parts of the world, it's not the case. And so, you know, as a startup, we were just like, you know, we, we did this huge investment to go out there and then we don't know when we're going to get paid. And that was a problem. Um, and so like, you know, after a few months of that, we basically were like, no, I, I don't think we can keep this up. And we ended up kind of packing our bags and, you know, shut down the office and moved back to the, back to the States. I was uh, kind of came back. I was pretty, pretty upset, obviously. Like we wanted to like do this thing and obviously just like uprooting every, everything and then having to move back and then having to like rebuy all your stuff, um, like, and get resettled back was uh, challenging. And the, the other question was, I was like, do I even have a job? Um, when I come back. Right. Yeah. And so luckily my, you know, again, Dave, Dave didn't, you know, he, he re kept reassuring me. He's like, no, no, don't worry. Like there's plenty of stuff that we need to get done. Like you are a product manager, like 
we will figure out other ways to, to keep you aboard. So yeah, I, again, kind of followed him and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stick around and, and see where this thing goes. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> looking back on it six years is probably one of the best, uh, best sort of, uh, jumps that I ever made. I, I love that story. One of the questions that I have actually coming out of that, that you and I haven't really talked about previously is just how you, how you weigh your decision-making as an individual, because I mean, you're obviously, I mean, you've published a book, you've done some really interesting things. Like I consider you a successful individual with a lot to learn. Uh, There's a lot to learn from you, I should say. And making that decision to make that jump into Marquetta and just making it basically based on a relationship of knowing Dave matter from high school. And like, I trust this guy. So I'm going to go do this thing. How much of your decision-making in life is kind of with the filter of, well, I trust this person. Let's go try this thing. Who knows what'll happen and how much of it is, you know, well, let me do some really deep dives into this specific industry because you're also a very data informed individual. So how do you like balance those two things? Do you lean heavier in one direction or the other? Yeah, I think, I think I always kind of have to think about things as like, what are, I, I feel like in life you just get you presented with all sorts of different options, right? Um, and some of those options are presented, you know, they, they manifest themselves very differently, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But they, uh, actually, how, how am I trying to say this? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm gonna come back to one piece. So before Marquetta, I actually worked for a, a venture capitalist. Um, his, his name is Chris Farmer um, over at Signal Fire Ventures. And, he always kept telling me, he's like, you know what? You always want to figure out things where you can get rich slow. And I was like, hmm. what are you talking about? And That's the opposite of most venture investors. That yeah. I would, so yeah. he's like, what, how do you get rich slow? And that, that statement has stuck with me for like the longest time because he's like, you know, especially in venture investing, you know, you're not going to see a payback for, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, um, so how do you set yourself up to get rich slow? Um, I always kind of thought that was really interesting because I think there are too many people are like looking at dollars like now mm-hmm. um, without looking at what could be in the future. And so like, you know, anytime that I actually, you know, look at an opportunity, I was, I always kind of look at what's the long game in this um, because in most cases, I, I don't, I don't believe that I've been in any job where I, I get paid, you know, an an insane amount of money, right? Like I, I feel like I get paid enough, but it's never like, you know, I get paid ridiculous sums of money up front. Yeah. And so it's so not that like, end of year Goldman Sachs bonus that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. The end of year Goldman Sachs <laughs> bonus or otherwise, you know, yeah. I mean, I totally could go work for Google or Facebook and be making a killing, um, both in terms of RSUs and also, um, uh, cash comp, but I guess maybe that's not in my DNA. Like I kind of like working on things that are early and that could potentially have a really good payout at the end. Um, so I, I think that's what I look at. And the other thing that I look at more than just that is, um, how is this experience going to enrich my life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in the Marquetta case, 
the concept of working internationally was very enriching because just the learning from it was amazing. Um, granted, I wish that we could have stayed there for longer, but um, the learning was amazing. And um, also for, for my family, it was, it was a good move, right? Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, I think uh, this, this kind of thing worked out. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like just believing in compounding as a general thesis, right? Like if it's compounding of, of wealth, if it's dollars or if it's of relationships, it sounds like you're just kind of, or of learning, right? Just optimizing for optimizing for long-term results instead of like short-term dopamine hits or what, you know, whatever it is, sounds like a pretty good mental model to take away from all that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you, you, you summarize my points much better than I can. So thank you. Well, that's just, that's just because I listen to you talk and then I, I, you know, it's, it's easier when you're sitting from the outside. Um, but that is interesting, right? Because one of the other things and like the thread through all of this in your lifetime, lifelong learning kind of streak of who you are is these confluence pages that actually turned into the book. So when did those start? Did those start did you start writing those kind of day one when you got to Marquetta? Cause you were like, Oh God, I don't know where to start or when, how did that come about? Oh, confluence. It's like <laughs> the, the ultimate repository of everything. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, so again, I, again, after coming back from Dubai, obviously, you know, I, I stayed with Marquetta for four years. Um, and I, I had to make a really hard decision to move to Minnesota because uh, at that point now, four years in, uh, my wife and I were expecting our third kid. And we were just like, yeah, I mean, one was tough. Two was like impossible. Three, we give up, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we're like, bring in the parentals, like we need to do something. And so then I, I was like, yeah, I got to find another opportunity. I, I got lucky this time around though, is that I... Um, you know, I, every time that I'd visit Minnesota, I'd, you know, come for Thanksgiving or whatever. I try to like meet with uh, some startup founders. And so I was introduced to a, a TIFF Siddiqui, uh, by the way, we're, we're not related, although we joke that we probably should be <laughs> uh, calling ourselves brothers, but we're not related. Um, he kind of convinced me that there is a lot of really interesting things going on in the Midwest um, and loved his sort of vision around helping uh, these hourly workers um, get ahead financially. And the way that he was doing it was um, he, uh, he, he built a scheduling application for kind of like target employees where you can actually view your schedule and pick up new shifts and swap shifts. And it's crazy because like, this is like two years ago and even still, like a lot of this stuff is done in paper. And I was like, you know, I think this is pretty interesting. So I, I, I followed him for a, for a while. Um, and, um, you know, he started getting a lot of traction and, you know, right around the time that I was kind of like looking for, um, sort of a, a move to Minnesota, he, he had finished raising his last round and he was like, Hey, we're, uh, looking for a head of product. Would you be interested? Or what, what would it take to move you to Minnesota? And I was like, mm, not much. <laughs> like, uh, so that's how I ended up at branch. Um, so it wasn't a FinTech right? Like it was purely like a scheduling, um, you know, helping a uh, workforce management type of company. Oh, and, wow. I um, didn't realize that was the initial thesis. I always thought that the, like the earned wage access piece of it was kind of the first aha moment. That's fascinating. And another great example of FinTech eating the world. 
That's that's right. So so again, it was the the thesis was still the same because the way that Atif wanted to actually help these people uh, get ahead financially was to pick up more shifts so they can make more money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people are living beyond paycheck to paycheck. And so he wanted to try to solve that. So the thesis was still around financial health um, and, you know, helping them get ahead. But what we, um, you know, right around that time, uh, he, he and I were just kind of bouncing some ideas around. He was like, Hey, look, you know, we have some data from our users based on doing surveys and research that it, it isn't necessarily about, you know, picking up more shifts because they, they probably are already working 40 hours or if not more, yeah. um, it's actually about being able to get that money faster because they get paid on the 15th and the 30th of every month. And a lot of times they'll get some sort of bill that comes in in the middle that they have to pay and they won't have any money in the bank account to be able to pay it. So he's like, what do you think? Like, is there, is there anything interesting going on in payments that could help this? At the time I was looking at two companies in particular, one was Phoenix and the other one was Tabapay. Mm. Uh, and the reason I was looking at those companies when I was at Marketo is because they offered this um, uh, product uh, called Push to Card, uh, uh, which is uh, it's actually Visa Direct or MasterCard Send, where basically without you having to open up a, a you know a, a branch debit card or whatever, you can, you can essentially push money to any debit card. So and push it to your Wells Fargo card or your you know Bank of America card or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's instant. It's crazy fast. And so I was doing that research. And I was like, "Hey, Atef, you know, this is this is what's what's kind of new and interesting." He's like, "Wow, that's that's really cool. Like, would love to explore that." So this is even before he asked me to join. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he he was already doing this research, and so then I was like, "Yeah, this is how we do it." So so we, you know, started. I started kind of like giving him some insight into like how all this stuff works, and then yeah, literally a few months later, he was like, "Yeah, do you want to join us?" <laughs> like, um, so, and and that's really where. I was able to get in and take this kind of, you know, help, help take this, uh, scheduling product and turn it into more of a FinTech product. Uh, and, and earn wage access was one of the first things that we did, but, you know, again, before, before we even got there, you know, with the confluence thing, you know, at Marquetta, I wrote, I don't know how many novels I probably have written, uh, (laughs) there in confluence of just like how all this shit works. Um, but also at branch, I was writing a bunch of confluence pages to like, try to explain how all this stuff works. And, you know, again, with even with push to card, it's actually a newer area for me. So it's the world of uh, merchant acquiring, which I knew the issuing side, not as much the merchant acquiring side. So I was writing all about that. And I was like, well, you know, I had these, you know, pages upon pages of Confluence pages uh, from both Marquetta and from Branch. And I was trying to take that and trying to teach um, people at branch more about payments and fintech because again nobody in the company had any background in finance or payments or anything um, so I had to kind of like get everybody sped up there there as well and so again I was also employee 35 at branch ironically as well so oh, I'm sensing a trend yeah 35 is my number so that's yeah um, yeah whenever we do I was 35 years old when I ha- no I'm just kidding I, <laughs> And you were uh, born on June 35th. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So So uh, basically you've just been compiling and compiling all of this in your, 
in your brain, but also writing it in Confluence through two companies now. And I mean, one thing that I've learned, you know, going from investing in a number of companies at the bank that I was at previously at MBKC, a lot of the engineers and, you know, learning it more as I talk to more and more Silicon Valley companies, especially, you know, if you're talking to Midwest companies, it sounds actually the more I talk, the more I've decided that this is just a broad engineering thing is that engineers are incredibly smart people, but sometimes jump from industry to industry. And there's a lot to learn in payments that is non-obvious. Right. Like a lot of the things that you would think would work a certain way don't work that way because of regulation or because of, you know, the networks being what the networks are or whatever. And it seems like there's just a if you could teach and this is a little bit of a softball, but if you could teach, you know, the ABCs of payments to an engineer when they join a company, their impact would be able their impact would be, you know, 10x if they understood kind of the acquiring and the issuing side or whatever that specific thing is, uh, you know, within two months instead of two years. So was that like, what was the thesis for writing the book? Because that alone would have gotten me, you know, from Confluence page to to novel having talked to enough engineers. Yeah, I mean, that that was precisely it. Because again, you know, as a product manager, you're working day in, day out with the software engineers primarily. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to get them up to speed on what's all going on. Now, now the thing is with, with payments, if you read a book and you don't apply it, it's, it's hard to, you know, retain it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, with a lot of the things that we've been building at Branch, like it's a great starting point. Um that I wanted to have. And so again, what I did is I, I had the confluence pages, I'd review those with new engineers and that kind of thing. But, you know, I found out that obviously it, it needs to be even distilled down even further with kind of better images, with better stories and that kind of thing. And so what I did is I, I had all the content and I um, was fortunate. I, uh, uh, I know this guy, his name is Eric Custer. He uh, is a Silicon Valley um, entrepreneur. Um, I think you, you know him as well. Uh, and he uh, teaches a course on how to write a book at Georgetown University. And so what he, what he did was he, he reached out to me and he said, hey, look, you know, we've got this um, course on writing a book that I've been teaching to students at Georgetown. We want to take it to an online forum. Do you have any idea of what to do? And Again, one of the things that I, is on my book bucket list was to write a book. And I was like, okay, I'll take you up on that. And he's like, yeah, I'll walk you through the whole process uh, of like writing a book. Do you have a idea in mind? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in this situation where I'm the only payments or fintech person in a company with a bunch of, you know, very talented people um, who don't, don't know the space. I'd love to be able to describe that to them. And, you know, if there are other people in similar businesses. I would love to be able to offer that too. Um, how do we do this? And so we essentially went through kind of a, a six month program to like take all of my content from Confluence and like turn it into storyline. Um, and that's how, that's how I actually like wrote the book, but yeah, I mean the, the intent is still the same, the same. Like I just, I just want to help engineers and you know entrepreneurs understand payments so that they can apply it to their uh, regular jobs because it's going to become really important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that whole story is just another example of keeping relationships close and then taking advantage of the opportunities that come your way, right? Like that sounds like a very mutually beneficial way to get this thing written. And it's, you know, it is something that 
I, I constantly am telling people that aren't engineers that they should read this. There's, I recommend this to, to fintech founders that have a lot more of their why than their how. That's another thing that I think is really mm-hmm. important, you know, is like, I, one really good friend that I won't name, but <laughs> actually, if I just bring up her gender, um, that alone might make the world small enough based mm-hmm. on fintech being so male. But basically, I, let's let's take it to a 50,000 foot level. If I recommend this to a lot of people that want to solve X problem, right? They think this is bullshit that the payday and loan industry has done X, Y, or Z, or this is bullshit that the credit card industry has not given access to females in the same way that we would have expected based on how long this whole thing has been functioning. And like, there should be more equality here, right? Like there's all these things that make people angry about finance, but you go from that anger and then you have to find a solution. And then you have to think about how to engineer that solution, not just like, Oh, we could do this. Right. And there's so many nuanced details that come into that doing of the thing that when I talk to an early stage founder and they're like, I'm running head speed or, you know, I'm running a thousand miles an hour towards this specific problem. And I'm like, okay, do you understand what it takes to issue a credit card? right? Or a debit card. But let's just start with, do you take, do you understand like the different stakeholders at a very basic level that it takes to issue a debit card? The answer is usually yes. And then I poke and I prod some more. And then the answer is usually no. Right. So it's also, it's not just engineers. It's also like founders have these really, really strong desires to go solve problems with their why, but they often don't totally have figured out the how, right? And they can raise some right. money and bring in a you that does understand the how, but there's also, a there's a lot of benefit to, I mean, this is not, we're not on video here uh, for the listeners, so you can't really see, but I have the book here sitting with me. I mean, it's not that thick, y'all. You know, it, like I said, it took me like two, three days to, I think, get through the whole thing. Um, but yeah, even with acknowledgements and everything else, I think it, well, it gets up to 230 pages. Yeah, it's 230 200. Yeah. With the acknowledgements. And so it, it, my publisher did not allow me to do more than that. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it though. Right. Is like, I almost feel like I'm cheating because I've got this book here that tells me how to make money move. Also anything I don't totally understand is clarified through a kind of wonderful, like comic book kind of vibe where I can like watch, you know, if you're a more of a visual learner versus, um, uh, kind of, you know, by reading or whatever it is, if you understand more through pictures than you do through sentences, you can learn a lot just by kind of flipping through and looking at the pictures, like even just the breakdown of the way that, uh, so I'll get really nerdy and go to page 80. Um, but the way that things are broken down in terms of buying a cup of coffee and understanding like the froth as the network assessment to MasterCard, the milk as revenue for bucks of star, <laughs> and then uh, the espresso being, you know, the the tip for the bucks of the star and then the interchange at the bottom being the chocolate. Right. So we're going after kind of like a mocha vibe, um, especially on a nice cold day in Kansas City or Minnesota. But it's like it's a cheat code, man. That was the, my biggest thing coming away from it is like, oh, my God, I wish I would have. Well, I wish you would have written this seven years ago when I got into fintech. Um, but I wish I would have even thought to start reading and learning about this stuff back then, because. I mean, the whole reason I started this podcast was to learn and I might've learned more from your book than I did in the first like 20 episodes of this podcast. I don't know about that, Zach, but. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing a commercial for you now, but I really, <laughs> I, I highly, highly recommend it to people that are just getting into FinTech or that are bringing on net new folks into their company that don't 
totally understand payments, right? Because that's the other thing is we talk interchangeably about fintech and payments, like they're the same thing, but it feels a lot like the fintech world is this why, you know, it's this, we're going after this because this is broken and the payments world is the how. And I think the more that the fintech world understands the how, the faster that with this whole fintech eating the world thing is actually going to happen. Yep. Yeah. So let's, let's speed it up. That's, that's what I'm saying. For um. sure. So <laughs> I know we're, we're kind of coming up on time here. Um, and I just did my <laughs> commercial for it. So I won't ask you to do yours because I, I don't want to put you through that. And I think people have a good understanding as to, to why they would pick up this book. But what you and I have been brainstorming is kind of unpacking some pieces of it. And one of the things that I kind of, there will be more episodes to come. Don't worry. We'll talk more world. Uh, but what are the pieces of this book that you still think need the most definition or that, you know, if you were going to write a V2, like what would, what, what's new in the world that you think would manifest itself into this book? Or like, what do you think deserves a deeper dive? Yeah. I, I think the, the world of FinTech is moving incredibly fast. And so I, I almost feel like by the time that I went to publish it, a lot of the stuff was out almost like outdated. Um, one of the things that I really didn't even get a chance to talk about was tokenization and Apple Pay and Google Pay, which I think is, I mean, especially, you know, post COVID um, has really kind of picked up steam. Um, so, so that's kind of an area that I'm absolutely still fascinated with and would love to be able to write more and talk more about it. Um, and kind of how contactless payments is taking over where it's like, yeah, we used to talk about the physical plastic, but that's kind of going away. Um, and so, so being able to talk about that, but then the other thing too, is, you know, there's just a lot of this conversation around banking as a service and platforms that make it really easy for, um, you know, uh, a, a fintech to be able to get going. Um, so again, like your company bond, I think is a great example of that. I, I mean, even when we were building our, um, you know, uh, payments platform or the, 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 the sort of the neobank part of our, uh, part of what we're doing at branch, like a lot of it, I had to put together by myself. Now, granted, I, I, I have a great partnership with Marketa that I can, you know, do the card issuance with. Um, but, you know, the other pieces of it, you know, how do you stand up a checking account? How do you, you know, do all that sort of stuff? Like um, it was, it was hard. It was a lot of work to get all that stuff working together. And I feel like um, the, you know, the banking as a service providers are able to kind of like package that really nicely um, and make it so that it's really easy to stand really fast and easy for people to stand up these types of programs. Um, and, and so I'm excited about that. I think there's a lot more to dive into uh, there that, you know, I'd love to kind of keep this conversation going with you and uh, dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, but there's just, there's just a lot going on in the payment space that I think, you know, again, this book, you know, in the next two years is going to be outdated. So I have to constantly be building V2, V3, V4, um, on it to, you know, make sure that it stays relevant. Yeah. I mean, there almost is like reading the book in the modern context of thinking about what these, what these platforms, right. With bond definitely as an example, but I mean, the it's it's almost like a new banking as a service company gets funded every day right now yeah. uh, or you know there's a there's a new tech crunch article every day and you're reading through the book and you kind of have this filter or coming from the bank and coming from the world i come from i had this filter on it of like god this is so important to understand but 
man, would it be good if we could just abstract so much of this away? Like this is important to understand this. You have to get the how, you have to understand the compliance pieces of it. There's so many pieces that are just kind of table stakes, but also there's so many pieces of it that, you know, I don't know how long it took you to stand up V1 of branch, but most everybody has a horror story about, you know, the first first iteration of their app if they didn't go with a plug and play banking as a service company, which are really just now starting to exist in a serious way. Even, you know, banking as a service two years ago was still basically build your own neobank, except like we have this one API that we'll give you and then you have to build 200 others. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's just getting easier and easier now, but still to your point, like you still need to understand why things are done in a specific way. Like again, banking needs to change, but it, you know, under the hood, there still are a lot of things that are happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of that Airbnb thing almost. I don't know if Airbnb is really the best example, but understanding the way, understanding the way, yeah, Airbnb is actually a horrible example. It's not like Brian Chesky was a hotel expert or something. He kind of fell backwards into that. So just disregard my Airbnb example, but understanding the way that V1 works to be able to build a V2 that looks nothing like the V1, right? It's like, you got to come into this world with a sense of that day one mentality, but also you have to understand why day zero was day zero and the history that kind of led up to that. And like, what pieces of that can you pull apart and break and what pieces of that really have to stay the same or else you're going to jail, right? Like there's a very fine line there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have more episodes to come. I know that you and I are going to unpack the book in at least one or two or three kind of different digestible pieces. So hopefully we'll have kind of like a little bit of an audio version of reading the book. Still worth reading the book. There's a lot of detail you won't get out of kind of where we're going with things. Um, But more of those to come. I think some more, you know, using branch as an example for a lot of these things, I think is continuously very interesting. Um, but anything else that you want to kind of leave folks with before we come back with a little bit more of a kind of specific episodes on the anatomy of a swipe and what fascinating terms like program management mean, et cetera? No, I, I think if, uh, if you're open to learning, um, we definitely want to uh, keep you engaged and um, hopefully chat more. Um, I, again, if, if there are any like further questions um, that come up after this, um, you can reach me on Twitter. Um, so anybody in the audience, they can reach me at, uh, my, uh, uh, handle is Siddiqui Ahmed. Um, and then obviously if you want to learn a little bit more about branch, it's branchapp.com. Uh, and finally the, the book is available on Amazon, both as Kindle and, um, physical copy. It's called the anatomy of the swipe making money move. And I'm looking forward to chatting more with, uh, you Zach and hopefully with, uh, the listeners. I love it, man. Well, as as I had kind of uh, preambled, Ahmed is one of the more open and open to learning and open to discussing people that I've met. I've learned a lot from you just in the, con- I mean, obviously through the book, but in the conversations we've had. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to keeping this going, man. I'm looking forward to learning alongside you. And I think we're going to, we're going to have some fun here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks again, Zach. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of For Fintech's Sake with Ahmed Sadiqi. I left a link to the book in the show notes. As I said a thousand times, and I guess this is a thousand and one, I highly recommend it. Read it yourself, gift it to coworkers, give it as part of your onboarding package if you're running a company, do it all. And more to come. 
Ahmed and I will be, as I said previously, publishing more episodes. We'll be digging into specific pieces of the book uh, and unpacking kind of what the future of the book would look like if he was able to do a V2. So please reach out, tell us what you'd like to learn more about, uh, tell us what specific pieces you might have questions about. We want to hear it all. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and keep faith in democracy, y'all. We can do this.